The following is a continuation of the previous episode. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we continue our study on how the Bible talks about hell. We begin by exploring the usages of fire and the lake of fire. Fire is often associated with a process of purifying. Ultimately, we conclude that sin does not pay, now or in eternity. God will purify us of all unrighteousness, either now or at his throne. The main point of all biblical prophecy is to make us aware of this reality. Allow God to change us now and encourage us to choose God in this life rather than face him unprepared in the next. So if Hades is temporary and we can't really know all that much about it, how it works, what, what, can, we, what can we know? Well, let's talk about the lake of fire. Happy topic. It is, it is actually a much happier topic than you're going to realize. First, let me just talk about fire in the Bible. Uh, can you give me some, some, just think about some things, uh, particularly from the Old Testament, that relates to fire? Just give me some, some pictures that come to your mind. So, sorry? Burning bush. Who was in the burning bush? Satan, obviously, right? Because the fire is uh, all about hell and Satan. Is that who was there? God. God was there. Well, what's up with that? Isn't fire bad? Okay, good. What else? What other picture do you have about fire in the Bible? What is it? The pillar of fire. Satan was in the pillar of fire and he went and did what? Oh, no, wait. God led the Israelites in the pillar of fire, didn't he? He was the pillar of fire. Isn't that interesting? What are some other... Uh, fire that came down and consumed the temples of Baal. Fire that came down. Yeah, okay, so uh, here's Elijah. And he says, whoever is the, consumes the offering, whoever is the God of fire, that's the real God. And the uh, prophets of Baal cut themselves and screamed all day long. And, and uh, Elijah's over there mocking them. And he, he prays and the fire comes down consumes the... Who, uh, not only that, there's actually a deal. Remember when uh, the angel comes to uh, the parents of, uh, of uh, Samson, I think it was, and he actually, they do a, an altar uh, and they do a sacrifice and he actually walks over in the fire and just ascends in it. Uh, that's a really cool picture. It's almost like uh, Star Trek. <laughs> Oh, so who was next? Who said? Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, rain fire from heaven. And that was who who sent the fire? God or the angels? Yeah. Okay. Good. You're doing awesome. What else? What? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. So they throw the three guys in the fire and they look in there and he says, There's four. And the fourth one is like an angel, the Son of God. And they're walking around in there having a party. They don't even smell like smoke. They're actually enjoying themselves. Isn't that funny? How about Sinai? What happens on Sinai? Trumpets, smoke, fire. And what, well, what, they, what the, Moses tells the Israelites, it says, Our God is a 
consuming fire. Isn't that interesting? The sacrifices have to burn and it pure... Yeah, and he says, well, that smells good. It's interesting. So let me now tell you every instance I could find, I'm sure I missed some, I'd love to hear your thoughts, where it sounds like lake of fire. I'm going to tell you that phrase only shows up right at the end of Revelation. That's the only time we have the phrase. But I went back looking for every instance. Now, I, I didn't... I'm a... I'm a high-level person, not a detail person, so I, I did a lot of skimming here. The first place I found was in Daniel 7. Let's look at Daniel 7. I think we got the lake of fire, the first as, aspect of the lake of fire in, in Daniel chapter 7. And you know Revelation largely uh, reproduces the um, imagery of Daniel. So Daniel chapter 7. Let's look at verse uh, 9. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. Who's that? God, okay. His garment was white as snow. The hair hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. Isn't that interesting? Its wheels a burning fire. I, I honestly, I don't know. What is in your mind when you hear that? The wheels, a fiery throne with wheels on it. That's a little too wild for me. I, I don't exactly know what that. It's like on the top, on the side, underneath. What? A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Kind of sounds like that furnace, doesn't it? A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. And I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. This starts off with, as I considered the horns. And anybody that wants to go to UT needs to really think about this passage. (laughs) I watched till the beast was slain. I don't think that's a longhorn there, though. This is the actually the Antichrist. And its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Now, this, I find this fascinating because here we've got the beast, the beast being slain, all the, all the fire right around the throne and proceeding from the throne, and the beast is thrown in that. So that's, that's one. Let me go to uh, now uh, second, second Thessalonians 1. is the next one I could find. 2 Thessalonians 1. Let me just start with uh, 7 here. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He comes in that day to be glorified in His saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Sure sounds like a fireish, And that's about it until you get to Revelation that I could find. Because most of the rest of it, Sheol and Hades. Let's go to Revelation 14, verse 10. This is the first time that the actual phrase 
comes up. Revelation 14, verse 10. Uh, start 9, then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, same guys in Daniel 7, and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day and night. I'm sorry, that is not the first time lake of fire shows up. This is a lake of fire sounding uh, verse with the beast. Okay, then let's go to Revelation 19. I think this is the first time it shows up. 19 verse 20. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Now that's interesting, isn't it? These guys don't die. They just go straight in to the lake of fire. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on his horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. I hear sometimes this... This um, this whole kind of not, God must has to be nice contingent, and the God has to be nice contingent has this narrative that in the Old Testament God was mean because he just kind of you know was started off kind of nasty and grumpy, but through time as he dealt with us and we straightened him out, you know he got mellow and permissive and is really nice now. He would never do those things again. Well. Have you ever read Revelation? Come on. I mean, he rides down on a horse and just wipes everybody out. There's way more death and destruction in Revelation than everything else. All put together. God says, I never change. And he doesn't like death. And he doesn't like sin. And he's purging it all out. And he's going he's gonna to write the whole world. How can you write the whole world if you don't fix the stuff that's broke? Okay, so... The beast and the false prophet go straight into the lake of fire. Let's look at 20, 14. We looked at this already. Death and Hades are cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So we've now introduced another term. Now this could be talking about the event of casting death and Hades into the lake of fire, or it could be talking about that the lake of fire equals the second death. I, I, I'm not sure which it is. I, I tend to think it's the latter, that he's talking about this lake of fire is the second death. So now we get some additional clues that we have to look at. Uh, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Okay, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are. So the be- it's interesting, the beast and false prophet go first alive and later on Satan's thrown in there with them. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now one of the things you have to watch in the scriptures, there's this, this uh, forever term is Ionios, A-I-N-O-O-N-A, so which means age, and it, it can just mean like your lifetime, it can mean a lot of things. 
This is Ionia of Ionia. It's ages of ages, which I think is as close as you get to forever. So we, we know at least these three are in there forever in the lake of fire. So the lake of fire is an eternal spot. Okay, what's, what's another one? Got any more? 21a. Um, okay, let's start with 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Okay, excellent. Any more? Any more? All right, well, let me give you some clues here that we also have to consider in addition to this lake of fire. Remember, Hades has gone into the lake of fire, and now the lake of fire is, is what's left. So let's look at a couple other things. Let's look at Revelation 21.8. Oh, we just looked at Revelation 21.8. 26. Let's look at 26. Let's start with 5, but... The rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And then probably the most disturbed, the, the verse that got me going down this road to understand was this next verse, Revelation 2.11. Now, I want you to understand that an overcomer in this letter to the seven churches uh, is controversial. And what I see people do, if you read commentaries, they'll say, if it's something that good, an overcomer is somebody, a believer that goes to heaven. And if it's something bad, it's somebody that looked like an overcomer but really wasn't or something like that. It doesn't even make any sense to me. And what I looked at and, and saw is that the last church, Jesus says, if you overcome as I overcame. And I said, well, overcomer can't mean believe in Jesus for your salvation. Because Jesus didn't believe in Jesus for his salvation. Jesus didn't need salvation. Jesus is salvation. He didn't receive salvation. What he did is he overcame sin and temptation and his name was lifted above every name as a result. That, that's where Jesus was. That's what an overcomer is. And in 2.11 it says, um, let's see, do not fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil's about to throw some of you into prison so that you may be tested and have tribulation, be faithful of death. I'll give you the crown of life. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So I started looking at this and saying, you know, that just sounds like someone who's not an over... If you're, not, if you're an overcomer, you're not hurt by the second death. And if you are, you are. So what in the world's up with that? Let me give you one more um, passage now. It's a passage we accept even though we don't like the purgatory idea, we have our own substitute for it. We call it the judgment seat of Christ. And look at 1 Corinthians 3. And this is, I think, the same kind of imagery. Paul writing, and Paul's Jewish. Verse 9, chapter 3, verse 9, For we are God's fellow workers, you're God's field, you're God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, 
Each one's work will become clear. How? The day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of which one's sword it is. If anyone's work which he's built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss. There's another passage in Revelation where these people are taking vengeance on and they're right at the throne of God. So there's, there's this, there's this uh, in the presence of God picture. What did Isaiah do when he went into the presence of God? Did he say, now I'm happy all the day? Yeah, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I see my own sinfulness and I want it to go away. And God's merciful to him. What does he do? Burns his lips off with a coal. Is that something you would want? Well, the answer should be yes, because it's better than having nasty lips. You see the, see the point? This is a purging that's taking place. One more, 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present in this body or absent in the presence of God, to be well-pleasing to Him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. <clears throat> Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. But we're well known to God and I also trust are well known to your consciousness. So here, here's, here's what I do with all this. Now look, I started this whole prophecy thing with the history of people looking at prophecy is they missed the big point. And I think the reason we do that as people is because we want to create a, a system we can manipulate, like the medieval church did. I mean, those guys made a gazillion dollars off of that manipulation. We don't want to do that. And the big point from the last lesson was, sin is a bad idea, it's not worth it, it doesn't pay. In this life, the lesson from this week is, sin's a really bad idea, it doesn't pay forever. And serving and overcoming and doing all the things that are really painful in this life, obeying God is a very painful thing, pays enormous dividends. Paul says beyond what we can even think or imagine for those who love Him. That's the big point. Now I'm going to tell you what my model is. You can totally throw this out the window if you want to. It's just a model. Here's my model. I think the lake of fire is Jesus. That's kind of crazy sounding, isn't it? Until you think about pillar of fire. Our God is a consuming fire, a throne of fire. Fire in the in the in the uh, you know the four whatever it was the furnace, the fiery furnace. And I think what's going to happen is that we go as believers, we're going to go to this judgment seat of Christ, and I think there's going to be pain as the what's left of the nastiness of our lives burned away. Now, when I first started thinking about that, it's, it, I really didn't like it. And as I've gone in, a little deeper in life, I like it a lot. I was reading C.S. Lewis one day, and he said, do you want to go through all of life with all that junk? And I thought, no! I hate... You know, don't you hate the flesh part that you have to struggle with? Don't you want it all singed and taken away and learn the lessons that you need to learn? But here's the thing. I get a chance to purge that now. It's painful. 
The clear picture I get from this is I can have the refining fire of Jesus in my soul today or I can have it at the judgment seat. Either way, I'm going to be purified. And he's telling me really clearly, if you'll do it now, I'll bless you beyond your wildest imagination. Now, that's motivating to me. And you know what sin I struggle with the most? Now I get everybody's attention. (laughs) James chapter 4 says, To him who knows what's good and does not do it, to him it's sin. That's pretty broad, don't you think? And I have been given the ability to do all kinds of good. As every American has. And I'm concerned about it. I think about it every day. You know why? Because I get it. I get that there's going to be fire. Now, the rest of my model is this. I think our new resurrected bodies, we're going to have a plant capability. You know, have you noticed that everything we do is dependent on the sun? And in the new earth, will we need sun? No, why? Jesus is the light. So if you were standing next to the sun, what would happen to you? You'd just burn up, right? So there's going to be something different here. We can stand next to the sun. It's not going to bother us any. Right now, we depend on the sun, but we have to have an intermediary for everything. What's the intermediary for us to benefit from the sun? Well, well, yeah, what? Plants, plants. Plants take the energy from the sun, then we eat the plants. Now, I don't think that's going to be necessary anymore. As a matter of fact, I think we're just going to revel in this light. And the same light we revel in is going to be the same light that causes the other people to recoil. Let me just look at this last part of Revelation. Right, This is the very last part of the Bible. Behold, I'm coming quickly. This is 22... Uh, Uh, 12. Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life. This is one of the rewards in in the sequence of the seven churches. And may enter into the gates into the city. Not everybody gets to go in. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. Now, I told you that time sequencing and prophecy you can't always bank on. So this could be rolling back to before the new earth. My best reading, though, is this is in the new earth. So who in the new earth could defile the city? Who in the new earth is immoral and, and, uh, and, loves, and pra- loves and practices a lie? Well, there's this real fascinating verse in um, Isaiah 14. And it says that it's talking about Satan. Oh, how you've fallen from heaven, oh, son of the morning, Lucifer. And it says people are going to walk by and say, is that the man that made all the nations tremble? That? So the rest of my picture is I think the people who don't have this resurrected capability are going to be in pain and torment by the sun, by this light, this light that's just going to going to uh, debilitate them. So the picture I get is the lake of fire is going to be right amongst us. And there's going to be the opportunity to walk along and say, that's Satan? That, he's, just, he's just a little pile of ashes now. 
That's, that's the picture I get. If you don't like that picture, do your own. It doesn't bother me a bit. Okay? What's the big point? The big point is sin has consequences now and forever. And obedience has massive consequences now. Love, joy, peace, patience, a better life. And forever rewards beyond what we can even imagine. So the picture I was going to get the, uh, Brandon to do that I think is a great picture of this is the creature Gollum. Gollum got what he wanted, right? If you know this story, he, he wanted the precious, the little ring. And he's just totally obsessed on this ring. I have to have it. And he becomes this miserable and wretched creature that always wants to live underground. And when he goes outside, what does he say about the sun? We hate it. We hate it. Right? It's just, it's just debilitating to I, I kind of think that's what... That's, I, think, I think Tolkien kind of got that picture. The darkness hates the light, doesn't it? And if you, you've done this before, hadn't we've all done this? We get in a sin and we start perpetuating it and truth starts coming in. No, no, I don't want truth. So let's embrace the light. Let's embrace the consuming fire. Let's embrace the purifying fire. When God brings trials into your life, it's a tremendous opportunity to be purged of sin in this life and learn to walk in this obedience that makes you not only a fulfilled person in this life, but the kind of person that can be the reigning person rather than the purged person. Now, I'm not even going to pretend to talk about how that works. and so I don't know. I just get this overall model that there's going to be this massive opportunity to be uh, in the light. And there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to like that, and they're going to not, not going to like it forever. It's ought to be motivation for us, the way we live our lives, and also to serve others. Because as we serve others, maybe they can escape the power of sin themselves. Jesus, thank you for being the light and the lamb and the bright as the sun. And I pray that as we just contemplate these things, that you'll help us know you better, embrace you better. I've thrown a lot of things at these folks today, Lord, and I pray that you just have your spirit come in and, and work with them where they are and, and, and chew on these words and, and uh, that as a group here, we will just have uh, wisdom as we seek you and seek your face and, and seek your uh, knowledge. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.